Возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к преддверию нашей надежды, да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которые очертила десница Твоя для поклонения святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество – все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего. Пропитай нас Духом Твоим Святым. Позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки. Веди его рукою превознесенную. Великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь. Можете садиться. Субтитры создал ты, ты же руки. 
Силы и нет 
смог понять. Ты вспомни друга дом, кто всегда рядом. Он за тебя пошел на крестрова. Ты возьми нас, победитель твою 
So if you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to contain the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. And with the span of time, God reveals to his nation all the deeper and greater his knowledge, the promises that have not yet been known to his nation but have been in Scripture but were withheld from the eyes of his nation by the reason that the time had not yet come for the fulfillment of those promises. Matthew 5:45 and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. Relevant to fulfilling this required commandment that rarely is understood by the children of God in the form that it is written because the word that you may be is a command. This word first resounded in the universe and determined the essence of God in that I'd identified it by giving light to the world. And then God says and calls us to that perfection that he himself has. And this perfection includes the ability to hallow or be a light for the righteous and unrighteous. But what is interesting, to be a light, a sun for the righteous and unrighteous, consists in the fact that it blesses the righteous and it punishes the unrighteous. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. The just, these brains bless, and the unjust, it curses. As in Job, it says, he commands his clouds that they go and pour out the rains for the one as a punishment, for the other as a mercy. And when they make God some kind of some in some kind of different way they present him in a different way or form he says that they say see the sun shines upon all equally the rain equally falls upon all uh, but we see that one place is drying out uh, from thirst and uh, and the others is flooded by waters and destroying everything but here suddenly God has become the same for all Again, relevant to fulfilling this required command, we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man. Specifically, the goals that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue. And in part, we have been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant and established in the new tablets of the covenant, allowing God the ability to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the law, but by the righteousness of faith, like he gave 
gave it to Abraham and to his seed. Romans 4.13 For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. In this inheritance uh, of peace that was given to Abraham by faith, <clears throat> this contains salvation, the kingdom of heaven, uh, eternal life. We need to know that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, or our obedience to the preached word spoken by God's delegated person. Therefore, the promise of peace is given only to those men that are obedient to the order of God in accordance to which God sends us his word by his delegated persons. Therefore, the covenant of peace within the heart of a man is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God. The faith of God is the revelations about whom God is to us in Christ Jesus or for us, what he has done for us in Christ Jesus, how God sees us or how he looks at us in Christ Jesus and what we need to do to inherit all that God has placed upon our account in Christ Jesus. This is the faith of God that the Lord offers to us. Our faith is obedience to that faith of God. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then they, shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Today we have many unfortunate preachers whom God has not sent, who had placed themselves or were sent by other men, either colleges or seminars. They are not even a church. They... Are, they actually have nothing to do or have no connection to a church, but they have some kind of uh, misunderstood levels for God, as they, as they call. If you have a doctorate in theology, that doesn't mean God will be, uh, begin to build a relationship with you and will reveal to you the scriptures. You with your mind will interpret and actually fight against God instead. And so we need to be sent, you need to be sent by God upon his conditions, by the church and that person whom God has sent and not by, or by the form of a vote. And further he says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 13 through 17. And so faith comes to us by men like Isaiah by the means of the righteousness of faith the covenant of peace demonstrated in, in the inheritance of peace is called to abide and be within the heart of a man as evidence of the fact that we are children of God therefore the inheritance of peace present in the covenant of peace is actually the treasury of our hope in God containing the complex of all of the promises of God when accomplished this is the goal of the given to us righteousness Therefore, it is righteousness by the means of the peace of God containing the, contained in the covenant of peace that can and is called to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Only those people will be saved that have the ability, their heart and their minds will be in Christ Jesus. If you can imagine, if your mind is in Christ Jesus, 
what kind of thoughts you will have. If you come to church and can't separate from thoughts of his business or thoughts of some kind of perverseness or other thoughts that may come, he wants to be separate from them but can't. The reason is he hasn't placed himself in Christ. Why hasn't he placed himself? Because he doesn't know how to. Because he does not accept that person whom the Lord has sent who explains to him how to place your mind, your, the aspect of your mentality in Christ, the kind of thoughts you, are, you have is who you are. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, 7. The peace of God needs to guard our thoughts. And for this, we need to first make a covenant of peace with God, have peace with God. You say, I came to the Lord, I repented, I, I was baptized, and I made a covenant of peace with God. You can't make a covenant of peace. You made a covenant, you, you made a covenant with God. That's a seed in order to make a covenant with God. You need to grow into full measure, into a perfect man. And when you made a covenant, you weren't a perfect man. You were a child in Christ, an infant in Christ. An infant cannot make a covenant of peace. Priests make a covenant of peace with God. Yes, you are a son of a priest, but you're not a priest yet. You need to learn to become a priest. The peace of God that is able to guard our thoughts in Christ Jesus are thoughts that are renewed by the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. <clears throat> we need to renew our mind by the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ within our spirit. And for this, we need to first cast off the old man with his deeds. And this means to die for our nation, which presents the world which is an enemy to God, the house of our father, love for the house of our father, which is our enemy, and the enemy of his house, uh, uh, an enemy of a man is his house, and our sinful life, our corrupt life, which is a carrier of the seed of evil that is passed on or passed down from the fathers. And so the peace of God that is able to guard our thoughts in Christ Jesus are thoughts that are renewed by the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. Because to be carnally minded is death, which is why they do not obey the law of God and are not able to, and with all of the desire of a person to be in Christ Jesus, he then cannot be with, these, with this kind of carnal mind. Romans 8, 6 through 8. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so a person who possesses a carnal mind is a person living by the flesh. A person who has spiritual mind has a per is a person who lives by the Spirit. According to this, to this statement, we conclude that people that have not allowed the truth of the preached word in the power of the Holy Spirit to renew their mind by the spirit of their mind have, not, have no connection to the peace of God and are not able to have it. And consequently, such people have no connection to the sons of peace either, that by the means of the peace of God would inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven. 
because blessed are peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We need to apprehend this well, that it is only the collaboration of our spirit with our mind that are within Christ Jesus, that we are called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our bodies and dress our body into the resurrection of Christ. Before rapture, before we will meet the Lord in the air upon the clouds. And now to look at the righteousness of faith, bringing about the inheritance of the peace of God, and to understand the conditions outlining the way our righteousness needs to garment itself into the armor of this peace so that our mind would be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, we have come to the necessity to look at four classical questions. And these are, what are the qualities of the peace of God in Scripture called to guard our mind in Christ Jesus? What power does the peace of God have within the relationship of God with man, man with other men, and man with all of the world? What conditions do we fulfill to be clothed into the peace of God, called to guard our minds in God? And by what signs are we able to determine, examining ourselves, that we are sons of peace as well as the sons of God? Because it is by the reign of the peace of God within our heart that we are called to determine and examine ourselves that we are the sons of God. As it is written, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5, 9. We've noted that if a person has not died for his nation, for the house of his father, and his corrupt desires or his destructive life, then his justification, which he received in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus, in the format of a guarantee, will never convert into righteousness, by which he would be able to receive and be clothed into the promise of the peace of God, so that he in righteousness would bear fruits of peace. And furthermore, not dying for your nation, house, or, de- or corrupt desires, the promise of peace will be taken from them, giving them the right to be called sons of sons of God. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Revelations 3.11. Hold fast is justification, is a guarantee. And how do you hold fast? You, If you just hold it and not invest it, you will lose it. To hold fast means you need to invest it so that it would convert into righteousness and we would be able to perform Uh, righteousness. We need to remember that the promise of the peace of God receives its power and its legitimacy within our heart only by the righteousness of faith in the covenant of peace, which places responsibility upon both parties or both sides of the covenant, where each of the sides of the covenant is responsible to fulfill their role that is implemented by God according to the requirements of the existing covenant. And if one of these sides breaks or violates the agreement that was made in the covenant, of peace between God and man, to note that such a violator can only be a man, then the, the other side being God is released or freed from the responsibility of fulfilling the agreement of the covenant of peace. Therefore, the fruit of righteousness identified as the peace of God within our heart is evidence of the fact that we are sons of peace. This serves as grounds or a basis for God so that he may fulfill his side of the covenant, which consists in leading us into the inheritance of his son so we would be able to share with him the fulfillment of all that is written about him in the laws, prophets, and psalms, because the justification which we receive by right of our birth from the seed of the word of truth has converted into righteousness by which we became able to bear the fruits of peace within our relationship with God and with all of those around us. Pursue pe- peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12:14. 
We have noted that in, the pl in this place of Scripture, we are talking about a form of unique and supernatural peace that is able to function only within the boundaries of holiness or be an expression and demonstration of holiness. These outlined and identified boundaries of holiness are the commandments of God. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Romans 12, 18. And so it's not possible, again, to have peace with all men. Therefore, the peace that we dare to demonstrate out of the boundaries of holiness and not as an expression of holiness will be incriminated to us as a serious form of lawlessness for which we will be required to pay a price of eternal life because our communication with people that the scriptures identify as evil company will corrupt our good habits and will transform us into their wicked image. <clears throat> Do not be deceived. As it says, pursue peace uh, and holiness. Holiness is not with all, only with all that are in accordance to this holiness. Do not be deceived, evil company corrupt good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. And so to identify who is good and who is evil is a person who is placed by God in the church. You cannot for yourself judge who you should greet and who you shouldn't greet. Only after the pastor of the church announces that a person is disqualified or under a warning will he not Will you not need to greet him? Sometimes people are in sin, but they're fighting that sin. You cannot disqualify them. They are fighting with the sin. They do not legalize the sin. They are slaves of sin. But when a person says, I don't consider this a sin, that's when a person needs to be disqualified. When he doesn't consider sin to be sin and he thinks that a church is just some kind of club he goes to. Even in a club, it's not easy to leave. How, how do you think it is to leave a church? They leave their church. It says if you leave your church, there is no forgiveness. But people leave their church, and they, they base it upon their feelings. They feel like they want to go here, then they want to go there. One of these people that goes from one church to another, I asked him, you left this church, then you went there, then you went there, and then you went there. Tell me, from the churches that you went, are you agreeing with... And he says, no. And I tell him, you will not find a church that you will agree with because all of these churches are built not by the form of your opinion or think or a form of thought and so when you go to church you need to throw all that out and become obedient to the order of God how can people have one mind and one heart only looking at the one person that God has placed and build your thoughts according to his then we will have one mind and one heart but they say, I, I uh, base my thought or a form of thought upon the Holy Spirit. And so how is it that 
one people think one way and another uh, as if the Holy Spirit has different form of thought with each individual person. It is impossible and criminal to have peace with the unclean and the lawless who support the unclean that in their time accepted the truth but afterwards left their church and turned away from the holy commands that were given to them. The very fact of their rebelliousness and resistance of the words from God's delegation that are placed over them testify of the loss of peace in their heart and member them to the category of the wicked. Pretty much most of the of the charismatic churches are formed by division, just so you know. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Isaiah 57, 20-21. This doesn't mean that there is a Pentecostal and Baptist church, that they often are formed by by. The method of division, they d- divide and then they form their own churches and helpers of pastors do this. They become unclean men at that time because they dared to take the role of the person whom God has placed. Why did they f- perform division? Because they want to be first. They wanted themselves rule and they lead uh, those supporters of his a- after him with him when he leaves. And God calls this person that does such a thing as uh, wicked. Yes, they sing, they evangelize, they do a lot of good work, they preach, they uh, call from the world, they rebuke demons, they have practices, they practice gifts and miracles, and so then feathers are flying and golden teeth appear. These are all demonic things, a pure form of demonic work. See in the scripture where during the service of the apostles or Jesus, some things, things like this would happen. It didn't. He calmly taught, read the 5th, 6th, 7th chapter, see how the Lord preached and what did Jesus do when he preached? Did he run around the stage as a monkey or did he sit in one place, he opened the book or he sat upon the mountain and began to teach? The teachers of Israel never preached standing. A teacher always sat down. He he rules. When you sit, you rule. But when you're running, what does this mean? How can you preach the word of God, the word of such a great God, to present it in such a way, in such a format? In the previous service, as we in a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, have already looked at the first three questions and stopped to study the fourth question. By what science are we able to examine ourselves that we are sons of peace as well as the sons of God, called to share the inheritance of Christ contained in the laws, prophets, and psalms? We've noted that the limits or boundaries of holiness within which peacemakers similar to their Heavenly Father perform peace within time and boundaries that are allotted to them by God are the boundaries of the commandments of the Lord in the format of the elementary principles of Christ. The tool by which the sons of peace perform peace within the boundaries of the commandments of the Lord is the righteousness of their faith. In a specific format, as we have already looked at six signs by which we need to determine and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace as well as the sons of God, and have been studying the seventh sign. The seventh sign 
by which we need to determine that we are part of the sons of peace is by the ability to clothe your essence into the holy and selective love of God. But above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3.14.15 Being clothed into God's love, we will allow the peace of God to rule then within our heart, that we are called to be in one body. We've noted that according to this place of Scripture, the rule of the peace of God in our heart is possible only upon one condition, and that is if the selective love of God will abide within our heart and if we will be clothed into the selective love of God. By itself, the selective love of God is an uncomprehendable for the human mind, goodness of God, or kindness that is inherent, inherent to God. Since in the selective love of God, which is the goodness of God, we, can, we see the consent sealed, good, wonderful, eternal, and uncomprehendable for the human mind goals and works of God, called to build a unique and peaceful relationship between God and His children. Defining the selective love of God that is demonstrated in Christ Jesus, which surpasses our understanding or is out of the boundaries of being understood by the abilities of our mind, Apostle Paul says that to comprehend the love of God is called to fill us with all of the fullness of the peace of God. To comprehend the selective love of God, it is necessary with the Spirit of God to be strengthened with the with might in the inner person that in nature is relative to the nature of God. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. To know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. <clears throat> The phrase that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints indicates the necessity to find the narrow gate in the form of a good wife, symbolizing all of the saints that are included in the category of God's chosen flock. Who, has fi who finds, a finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord, Psalm 18.22. And again, when we get married, or uh, we do not obtain favor, because favor is something that the, the Lord only has, Jesus. He brought this grace. And so it is not our husband or our wife that will be, will be grace for us when we're married. When it says to find a good thing and to obtain favor from the Lord is to discover the treasure of the kingdom of heaven upon our field. And we know that a good wife, therefore finding a good wife is making, a good wife is again the church of Jesus Christ, the bride of the Lamb. And that is specifically where we can discover this grace, we can finding the, obtain, find this good wife and discover the treasure in our own field, the treasure of the kingdom of heaven. Finding a good wife is making a matrimonial contract or a marital union with a specific church of saints who satisfy the requirements of God's chosen flock or God's remnant. 
According to Scripture, the selective love of God as a true virtue that a virtuous wife possesses is kindness or goodness that is grown from knowing God by listening to the preached word about the kingdom of heaven that is inside of a man. And such a virtue grown by God within the heart of a man from the seed of the preached word of God about the kingdom of heaven is defined in Scripture as. And so one of us uh, cannot grow ourselves. God plants and he waters by specific people. And God himself grows. Again, this virtue grown by God within the heart of a man from the seed of the preached word of God about the kingdom of heaven is defined in scripture as wisdom that comes from above, moral perfection, the bond of perfection, splendor, greatness, beauty, magnificence, and glory. However, to have more uh, practical specification when it comes to the selective love of God, we decided to look at the character and quality contained in the selective love of God as the true virtue presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in the spoken word of the apostles and prophets. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our, of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, but also for this very reason, through, and so by the by the promise that is given, we are, we are called to become a part of God's divine nature, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to have these promises to accom- have them accomplished, we need to have these qualities. Having, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In essence, as we know, true virtue demonstrated in the quality qualities and characteristics of the selective love of God is none other than the royal crown of the righteousness of God standing guard of his burning holiness. Because of this, we began to study the selective love of God in the context or format of seven qualities of virtue, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith, to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our earthly bodies, and clothe our earthly body into the resurrection of Christ, that is, into our new person. And for this purpose, it was necessary for us to first differentiate the selective love of God from the tolerant love of man. As the quality of the selective love of God does not compare in any way with what man calls love. Because the virtue of the selective love of God are eternally existing virtues and characteristics of God himself as well as his all-consuming holiness and all that comes from God because God is love. And such an uncomprehendable for the mind unearthly love coming from a similar goodness of God is defined in Scripture as the bond of perfection, but above all things put on love, which is the bond of perfection, Colossians 3.14. The bond of perfection of the selective love of God within the seven 
given qualities of virtue is unconditional. Unlike the tolerant and egotistical love of man, the unconditional nature of the selective love of God is in no way able to be used for greedy and egotistical purposes because it possesses a flaming jealousy by of God, all of the knowledge of God, and the absolute wisdom of God. At the same time, the tolerant love of man toward other men is very conveniently used for greedy and egotistical purposes. You are my brother, that's why you're required. You are my wife, so you are required. You are my friend, so you are required. <clears throat> and so the love of friendship or uh, a familiar love, familial love or a love of a husband and wife is egotistical because they there uh, is the mentality of obligation or you're required. And so however much good you do for your relatives, they never will be thankful because they receive this as a requirement, obligation. You are required because you're my relative. There's nothing that you did that's so special. You are my relative. You are, you, you, you are my son, you are my daughter, you're required. And so no matter what the father or mother do, the, the, the son or daughter have uh, their own um, mindset of what is required and what needs to be, and no uh, thankfulness. That's an egotistical uh, form of love. But see what we let's see what the scriptures say about the strength of the love of God. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the flood drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised songs of solomon 867 the unconditional nature of the selective love of god can be received and given exclusively by knowing the truth and receiving the holy spirit upon the basis of absolute and reasonable willingness of the man and to better understand the way we are called to demonstrate the work of virtue in our faith the work of virtue demonstrated in the love of God, we need to remember the genesis and virtue of the selective love of God, the purpose of unearthly love within our faith, the price of obtaining the unearthly love of God agape, and signs as evidence of the selective love of God in our faith. In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed and the measure of our faith, we partly have looked at the virtues the scriptures present concerning the spring from which the selective love of God flows in the atmosphere in which the peace of God can reign. In scripture, the goodness of God comes from the selective love of God, which is contrary to evil, that comes from hatred of the fallen angels and men that are within the power of these fallen spirits. Therefore, in the Holy Scriptures, the level of strength of the selective love of God is defined and known exclusively by the level of strength of the hatred of God toward evil and evildoers. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Hebrews 1.9 Considering that good and evil are programs to love righteousness and to hate lawlessness is only possible in their carriers, which are their programmable system. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked are the ones who love violence 
and his soul hates them. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous, he loves righteousness, his countenance beholds the upright. Psalm 11, 5-7. Therefore, to understand the natural essence of the selective love of God, in the goodness of God, it was necessary for us to look at what or who God loves, and also what or who God hates. Because only loving what God loves and hating what God hates, we will be able to be filled with all of the fullness of God and demonstrate God's reaction in our faith concerning things that are good and evil. In the previous services, we in a specific format already looked at seven components identifying the selective love of God in the format of what and who God loves, as well as became familiar with three components of what and who God hates, and will immediately turn to the fourth component. The selective love of God that flows from the virtue of God, the atmosphere in which the peace of God reigns, in nature hates people who think evil against their neighbor and false oaths. Zechariah 8.17 Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor, and do not love a false oath. For all these, who, all these things I hate, says the Lord. We need to remember that our neighbor is not a person that lives next door to us and not a close relative, but a person that first carries responsibility for us before God and lays down his soul for us. And second, a neighbor is a person for whom we, in some measure, carry responsibility for before God. Therefore, our neighbor is a person whom you have need in and without whom you will not be able to be saved, and who has need in us, as he without us is not able to fulfill his calling. His calling is to keep us, to love us, and to present Christ to us. In other words, our neighbor is every holy person in a specific church of saints and in which we are called to serve each other with that gift that we receive as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. 1 Peter 4.10 <coughs> As the cells in the body, if they will not be uh, sharing uh, uh, healthy uh, vitamins or anything, nutrition, nutrients with each other, uh, <clears throat> if it will not share them, uh, the cells will die. And when one cell stops sharing, it receives good but doesn't share them uh, with other, others, then she quickly grows and she does not then uh, cast out uh, the the bad things that it, uh, are developed or any kind of uh, cl it doesn't cleanse or is it being cleansed then it becomes a cancerous cell considering that evil is a program that out of a programmable system is not able to function we conclude that God can hate evil in the heart against your neighbor and false oath together with the person that has it one that willingly has made himself a programmable system of the fallen cherubim. According to scripture, evil ex existing in the heart against your neighbor generally comes from jealousy of the success of your neighbor. Ecclesiastes 4.4 4. Again, I saw that for all toil and every skillful work of a man is envied by his neighbor. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. <clears throat> 
The reason for the developed jealousy is actually not the success of your neighbor, but rather an absence of the love of God toward your neighbor in the atmosphere in which the peace of God generally reigns. A person that abides within the love of God and the love of God abides in this person is an immovable and not penetrating stronghold for the entry of evil in the heart against your neighbor. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. The presence of jealousy because of the success of your neighbor is somewhat of an indicating alarm, letting us know that we need to immediately take extreme measures to thrust out and get rid of the root of jealousy from our heart so that we can receive the seed of the unearthly love of God into our heart. Otherwise, the moment may come that the seed of jealousy as a cancer will be rooted and will be will release its metastasis to deep so deep that nothing will be able to, to be done to fix it. Because jealousy that is not thrown out timely would, will convert into a stronghold of evil in our heart and will transform us into the image of an unclean or wicked person. That will rise against the person placed over us by God, which is why this person will not be able to be renewed with repentance. I will remind us of a couple of biblical persons, Abel, Moses, King David, Christ and his apostles firstly were an, an example of a neighbor who had no evil in his heart against his own neighbors secondly were subject to persecution by their own neighbors who allowed Satan to put evil thoughts into their heart that later destroyed them the Abel's neighbor who allowed Satan to put evil, an evil thought against Abel into his heart and rose against Abel and killed him was his older brother Cain. Cain was the older brother and in the service Abel looked to Cain. He was the older and in worshiping God Abel looked at him and when Cain said let us go to, ser to serve Abel went with Cain to offer a sacrifice to the Lord because Cain was the leader of the service in this in this case. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the, of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering and did, and did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. He truly presents uh, this uh, birthright in the service. <clears throat> and the Lord, imagine the relationship they had. God communicated with Cain, and Cain is trying to stop, uh, and God is trying to stop Cain in his way. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desires for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field. <clears throat> Cain talked with Abel his brother. The original says, He called him, Let us go and serve the Lord. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is, your, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? 
And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your your brother's blood for, from your hand. Then you tell the when you tell the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. Genesis 4, 3-12. Each one who hates his brother is a is a killer. Hatred comes from jealousy. We can cast it out. Jealousy and hatred are just an inheritance that we've received from our fathers. Each person has in himself the sinful person and 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 a new person both live in the body <clears throat> that sin may not reign in your body and so the new person <clears throat> And so the the old man is a programmable system for the program, the seed we receive from the father, from our fathers. And there's the new person that is born from the imperishable seed. Here's also a programmable system for the inheritance of God and the grace of God. And so between each other, they're in conflict. And if we, uh, he says, but you, and so when we begin to uh, b- react according to the new person and begin to do good to the person that uh, you have these thoughts coming, uh, do not pass on it bad information about a person. This is your neighbor. Oftentimes we get upset at our neighbor thinking that they somehow needed to do more for us. As one brother told me, with boldness you pray for others but with me, over me you pray without boldness <clears throat> that's why I'm not healed and so if you pray for me he told, he asked me he told me if you pray over me then and I'm not healed then this is the kind of Christian you are and I prayed and I said you need to remember and I showed I showed uh, I showed him some people that were healed when I prayed, but he says you prayed for them with boldness, but without you pray for me without boldness. And I said I prayed for them, but for you I prayed more intensely for you because I knew you're in this situation. You need to do in this and this. And he said no. Let God heal me, and then I'll fix what I did. I said, no, you first need to fix what you did, your sins, and then God will heal you. He refused and went to a charismatic church. And there, being already obsessed by demons and uh, began to cuss and and he unfortunately then passed away. The neighbor who allowed Satan to put evil thoughts against Moses into into their heart and rose against Moses to kill him was Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, with their supporters, the Levites, who were anointed originally by God to help Moses. And so again, these were cousins and for, to, for, uh, to Moses. These weren't simple people. These were important people, the priests. And Moses, of course, was higher than they were. He was a neighbor for them. You see what they did or how they behaved with their neighbor. With their neighbor. In result, the evil thoughts that were received against Moses by those who God exalted 
that were neighbors to him, the earth opened its mouth and devoured them to hell, while they were still alive with all of their possessions and their children. The neighbor that allowed Satan to put evil against David in, into his heart and rose against David was the anointed by God King Saul, the son, uh, the son of David Absalom and his closest counselor, Ahitophel. Two of these people, Saul and Ahitophel, committed suicide, and Absalom was killed by Joab, the captain of the army of David, together with his ten armed soldiers. This is why, in this way, the evil thought received in the heart against the neighbor killed the one that carried it, carries the one that carried the thoughts of evil. The neighbor that rose against Christ was his close apostle, Judas Iscariot. In result, the evil thought... And so, again, he was a very close apostle of, of Jesus. Um, <coughs> Jesus trusted uh, Judas with <coughs> all of the means that they had and the use of them. And so he, he rose against Christ. And in result, the evil thought that was received by Apostle Judas in his heart turned him into a wicked person and killed him with his own hands. The neighbor that rose against the calling of Apostle Paul with his closest companion was his closest companion by the name of Alexander. In result, the evil thought that was received in the heart against the gospel given by God to Apostle Paul prompted him to condemn Alexander to Satan so that they, <coughs> so that he not blaspheme anymore. 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20 This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith in a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may, le uh, may uh, lean not, learn not to blaspheme. Right now we are going to pray. And all those who know and feel that their old person is a carrier of jealousy and it demonstrates itself, you can cast it out. You can come out right now and say, Lord, I refuse to have this in me and I reject this old person. And God will not look then at your feelings as a jealousy that's in you because with your mouth you have denied and rejected it. I forgive the one that has offended me and God will not account this as a sin to you. You may have uh, hurt uh, in, your, in, in, in yourself, but God will not account this as a sin to you because with your mouth and your will, you have confessed that you forgive, that you hate sin, uh, jealousy. Ask the Lord to root it out that, you cast it out, that he cast it out. This is possible. God can do this. Right now we are going to pray in all those who desire to confront your, their fears, their, their dependences from sin, from uh, illnesses. You may come out here and the Lord will uh, show mercy because he loves to forgive, he loves to heal, and he loves to break the shackles of sin. Amen. Let us pray. I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you. He's not against you. He can 
and desires to forgive you, to deliver you from the dependence of sin, from dependence of fear, dependence of illnesses and sicknesses, all jealousy and bitterness to root it out, to make you free and to clothe you into his love. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to the Lord, a sign that you're ready to receive from the Lord what he desires to give you. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. I open up my heart. You see my wound. You see evil in my heart. I hate it. I hate jealousy. I hate bitterness. I forgive all those people who have offended me. I ask you, heal my wounds, heal my illnesses, deliver me from shame and sin, protect me. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Amen. Amen. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May all these promises and blessings be upon you and your children and be fulfilled upon you, and the nation shall say, Amen. First Corinthians 11:23-32. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and not his neighbor himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, that examines not himself but his neighbor, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, and not our neighbor, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. To take part in this service, anyone who has received Jesus as their personal Savior, as, a, as their Savior, personal Savior, and has 
confirmed this with by being baptized by water, making a covenant with the Lord, may eat of this communion. This doesn't include children because the Lord already counts this to them and he, they, he considers them righteous and he wants all his children to be as a little child. If we will not be as a little child, we will not enter the kingdom of heaven. We will not have the right to take, to take part if we will not be as children. Also, saying that a child can't take part because they're not able to discern, this is ignorance because children don't need to discern. It is we that we need to discern, us that we need to dis- discern so that we be as children. Children have what we lost when we were children. They in themselves don't have that uh, that that element of, of, of bitterness and caring of it. A child reacts to pain, but it doesn't carry it. When a chi- child is punished, especially by a parent, the child himself stretches out his hands uh, for protection to that very parent uh, punishing him. But when the sinful person begins to wake up in this person, then yes, things change. The second that a child has is the ability not to hear uh, curses uh, against his parents. You could say whatever you want against his parents, but a child uh, differentiates the voice of his mother from 10,000 other mothers and finds peace with her. You could say whatever you want about his parents, but he still loves them. When we become able to close our ears uh, to things like, truly does your pastor say this? When you... Or see how uh, Eve opened her ears. Did God truly say? And she began to respond. No, God said this. You open your ear, and then began to talk to. She began to talk to someone she she shouldn't have. Don't communicate with people who say come to you and say. Truly, does your pastor say? Don't even communicate with them. In another place, we see, may the Lord forbid you. Uh, and they may say, well, you're not normal. That's okay. At least your ears are closed. That's the kind of uh, ability children have. When we have this, then will we legally be able to take part in the communion? I will ask everyone to stand up, and we will pray for the bread. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your broken body. When it will be passing by your people, this bread that demonstrates your broken body, we will take and eat of it. May it be life, your eternal life, in your children when they eat of it. And may your death be in their body that will eliminate the law of sin and death, will eliminate sin, and may the law of the spirit of life prosper within our body when we'll take of this bread and eat of it. We thank you for this privilege, and we worship before your great body in the form of this bread, our great Godson and Holy Spirit. 
Amen. And he gave thanks. He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Please be seated. The road that is approached, please stand. Each one breaks his own bread, as I did. Breaking is a sign of humility and a sign that we, with our personal sins, together with the Roman soldiers, uh, nailed him to the cross and uh, him to the cross. He died for our sins. And for the Roman soldiers who then beat themselves in the chest and said, truly this person was the son of God. The Roman soldiers who crucified Christ admitted, repented, but the high priests that prompted the nation to crucify Jesus did not repent, which is why there's such a curse upon the Israelite nation today. They said, may his blood be on us and our children. This is only for a certain amount of time. From the Israelite nation, God saved the chosen flock. The first church of Christ consisted pretty much all were Jews. Only then, later, did the Gentiles were, uh, come and, and become a part of it as well. And Israel, uh, the Israelite nation, were, brought this good news to the world and made the two one. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. This is a celebration of the Lord. We need to rethink this surprising service that surpasses our understanding. In my childhood, I always had the question, why is it when it's communion time, I always had a mixed feeling in myself because you were supposed to have a saddened face, cry, and always talked about the sufferings of Christ, making people cry, and still had some kind of disharmony within. I always tried to think why such an important service always brings about such a disharmony in my heart. The Holy Spirit revealed this in time that we incorrectly take part in the service. We're sorrowful instead of being happy because God has done His redemption and the heavens rejoice. They are not crying in this time because this would have been called a feast of sorrow. But Pesach, this was a celebration, the celebration of the Lord, and people were supposed to rejoice. I will remind us that when in Israel, they didn't have a Passover for a long time, the temple was destroyed and they were returned from slavery. When they returned to perform the Passover feast, people began to cry. The priests became afraid, it's written. 
they came to the nation and said, what are you doing? Stop crying. This is a day of the Lord. It's a day to rejoice and be glad. Go into your house, eat what is good and sweet, invite each other. The Lord has redeemed Israel. You cry if he did not redeem Israel. He wanted to and didn't redeem it, but he did redeem it. The redemption was done. You can cry, but cry tears of joy, but not tears of sadness. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. I will ask everyone to stand. And we will pray for the cup. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this cup of the covenant, the new cup of the covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sin when it will be passing by your people and we take and drink of it. May we receive life, eternal life, in it. May this eating and drinking of your blood produce destruction of viruses and illnesses in the body. We thank you and we worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated as you served each other in breaking of the bread. Please serve each other in taking of the cup. The cup is Christ, one for the whole world. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. И мы отвращали от Него лицо Свое. Он был презираем, и мы ни во что ставили Его. Но Он взял на Себя наши немощи и понес наши болезни. Обратите внимание, не понесет и не возьмет, а уже взял и уже понес. Уже тогда Бог называл несуществующее существующим. Еще Христос не приходил и не умирал. In the book of Isaiah, 53rd chapter, it says that the Lord does not have the future. He has the present. God always lives in the present time. And when He abides in the future and in the past, then it becomes the reality, the current time. It is us that have the past, present, and future. But God here in this place of Scripture says that this is so. And so when we know that Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, 
In order for these promises to come to pass, we need God's words to be imprinted upon our heart as the faith of our heart, not just confessing what is written here in the Bible, but confess what is written upon the tablets of our heart, because God fulfills the confessions of the faith of the heart and not what's written there. When what is written here is uh, moved over into our heart, written into our heart, and the Holy temple is our body then miracles and signs will begin to happen true ones because right now the church is captured by signs and miracles that are false if there's if uh, drunkenness hatred thievery is prospering if people there who stand as head are not placed by God but those who placed themselves that yesterday came and today are over the nation of God and teach something that they don't even understand because they are blind, then of course they cannot do this. But the Lord loves his nation and if his nation will become obedient to his word, to his order, then the Lord will begin to perform true miracles and signs. If anyone was accidentally passed by, please stand so we can help you. If not, I will ask everyone to stand and we will proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.